It's Monday, August 22nd. I'm Pam Jones. Maryland's COVID positivity rate lingers in the double digits, just below 12 percent. Dr. Fauci says he's calling it quits at the end of this year. The FDA has greenlit the expansion of the Novavax COVID-19 vaccine to kids as young as 12. Hundreds of thousands of kids across the country fell behind on routine vaccination since the start of the pandemic. And as schools across the state welcome back students next week, we'll hear from a local pediatrician who breaks down the myths versus the wisdom of keeping kids current on routine vaccines. It's the Daily Dose from WIPR, our latest reporting on Maryland's COVID-19 response and the local news of the day, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. After spending the last two and a half years advising the White House on the coronavirus, as well as leading the National Institute of Health since 1984, Dr. Anthony Fauci announced he will be leaving the federal government position at the end of December. Dr. Fauci is considered the nation's top infectious disease expert and rose to prominence in 2020 when the COVID-19 pandemic began. He was an advisor to former President Donald Trump and has been the chief medical advisor to the current administration under President Biden. Dr. Fauci says he is not exactly retiring, but wants to explore the next chapter, and that may include writing a book or possibly teaching. The FDA is authorizing emergency use of the Novavax COVID-19 vaccine for adolescents. The FDA's decision was issued on Friday in two recommended doses for those ages 12 to 17. The vaccine produced by the Gaithersburg-based company was already authorized for emergency use by the FDA for those 18 years and older in mid-July. Annapolis Mayor Gavin Buckley has tested positive for COVID-19. His office issued a statement today saying he tested positive over the weekend, that he is experiencing mild symptoms and that he is isolating at home. Buckley said in a statement he is fortunate to be fully vaccinated and boosted and that he will continue to work and participate in meetings virtually. He is expected to return to the office by the end of the week after five days of isolation. Mayor Brandon Scott announced today he is awarding Baltimore Crisis Response an additional $1.5 million in American Rescue Act funds to expand its capacity to serve Baltimore residents experiencing mental health crisis. Scott said the money will help the 30-year-old nonprofit expand the regional 988 Behavioral Health Call Center, as well as substance abuse and community outreach programs. Baltimore County teachers returned to schools today to prepare for the opening of classes and what could be a difficult start to the school year. County teachers and staff are grappling with a shortage of instructors. Teachers Association officials say the number of vacancies was just under 500 last week. More recruiting efforts continue this week before students come back to class next Monday. Throughout much of the COVID-19 pandemic, over a million confirmed cases to date in Maryland alone, and a lingering double-digit positivity rate, thousands of parents chose to skip regular vaccinations for their children. 
With students in Maryland returning to classrooms next week for the start of the new school year, health experts are encouraging parents to have their kids caught up with routine vaccinations. Dr. Christina Brown is a pediatrician with Kaiser Permanente in White Marsh, and she breaks down the myths versus the facts on the importance and safety of kids getting their required shots. Dr. Brown, most schools across Maryland welcome back students on August 29th to in-person learning. Now, given we're still in a pandemic, what should parents of kids in grades K through 12 be most concerned about at this point? It's really important that parents make sure their children are up to date on routine vaccines in addition to the COVID vaccine. Children six months and up can now be vaccinated for the COVID vaccine. We're also approaching flu season. So again, children six months and up can be vaccinated. Why is a disease like polio, which I thought was eradicated since the 1970s, resurfacing now? And how prevalent is it and who's at risk of contracting it? Right now, routine vaccines are lagging behind for many children. So some have not seen their doctors because of the pandemic for fear of contracting COVID-19 and they're skipping on routine care. We're seeing some of those children back in the office now, but there are still some that I haven't seen since before the pandemic. We want families to know it is safe to come to the office. We're doing everything we can to keep everyone safe. Some families that are coming are choosing not to vaccinate or they're only giving certain vaccines to their children. This we absolutely advise against. We recommend to follow the vaccine schedule for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. It is the best way to protect your child against these awful illnesses. We, we forget how awful some of them were because we haven't seen them. So polio is really a wake-up call for us. So as we know, in July, a resident in New York um, tested positive for polio. And that means there are probably a lot more that have it that just don't know because many cases of polio are actually completely asymptomatic. And what's really scary is the the study of the New York wastewater where several samples have shown evidence of poliovirus in them. That means that there are numerous people that have poliovirus and may just not know it yet. The symptoms can look like COVID, so it can be hard to tell sometimes. So it is so important that everyone who is eligible for the vaccines get vaccinated as soon as they can and follow the appropriate schedule. Dr. Brown, the CDC reports that thousands of kids in Maryland did not get routine vaccinations during the past two years. What do you find are the main reasons and and, and what's the downside? Well, there is a lot of misinformation out there, to be honest. Many families are relying on social media. It's hard to know what to trust. So that's why we're here as pediatricians to answer your questions and discuss vaccine safety. So the vaccines are safe and effective. They are repeatedly studied over and over again to make sure that they are safe. So I definitely urge families to talk to their pediatrician if they have any questions about it. Every child who is not vaccinated is at risk um, for being exposed to a virus and then, you know, contracting the symptoms themselves and then spreading it to other people that are either unvaccinated because of certain medical conditions, they may be too young to have it, or their body didn't um, protect them 
through the vaccine against it because not every vaccine is 100%. So that is why it is so important to follow the schedule and make sure that each of us is doing our part to protect our families as well as our communities. What are the mandatory vaccines for school-age children and at what ages? So we start off with vaccines even in the hospital setting before babies go home from the hospital now. Now we start with hepatitis B. And then at two months, four months, and six months, we give vaccines that protect against hepatitis B, polio, tetanus, and whooping cough. Twelve months, we also add a vaccine for measles, mumps, rubella, varicella, which is chickenpox. And then we start to give additional booster vaccines for the meningitis and the tetanus vaccines. And then after 15 months, they get a little break. Um, and then around age four, you can get the booster vaccines for that measles, mumps, rubella, chickenpox, tetanus, diphtheria, um, whooping cough, and polio. For children who are in middle school, so most seventh grade classes require vaccines against bacterial meningitis and again for tetanus. And then you get that booster around age 16 for, again, for bacterial meningitis. There's a small but vocal community of parents who believe, uh, doctor, that vaccinating young children causes them harm, most notably autism. Can you dispel some myths around vaccinations? Sure. There is absolutely no link between vaccines and autism. There was a study done in the 90s that has since been retracted, meaning it was removed from the medical journal because we have learned that it was false information. So we are spending years and years trying to go against this and, and prove that there is no link. Um, it's really sad, actually. But there have been many studies on this. Um, and the MMR vaccine, that was the one that families were concerned about. It's given around 12 months of age. There are signs of autism often way before this, this vaccine is even given. So families also are concerned about um, autoimmune illnesses or um, other reactions to the vaccine. This is also studied in great detail. Most of the side effects come right after the vaccine is given. So it can be some redness or soreness right in your arm, um, right at the site that it's given. Some children have um, fever. Um, just It's just part of their body building up that immune response. Some may also have fatigue or muscle aches for a couple days after, um, but the side effects are minimal, and it is much better to have those minimal side effects than the potentially devastating effects of actually contracting the disease. Is there anything you would like to add? The best thing that you can do to protect your child is to make sure that they are following the vaccine schedule. My daughter is heading into kindergarten. I know um, you know, you're, you're at risk of contracting illnesses. The children are, you can work with them to wash their hands and make sure to cover their coughs and sneezes, but they're children and I won't be there, you know, behind her shoulder to remind her. So, you know, we can continue to, con to continue to encourage good hygiene for them, but for some of these illnesses, they're just so contagious. So the best way to help protect them is to vaccinate. That was Dr. Christina Brown with Kaiser Permanente, and we thank her for spending time with The Daily Dose. 
The Daily Dose is brought to you by WYPR, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Many thanks to my news team colleagues, Rachel Bay, Shekinah Collier, Bethany Raja, John Lee, Joel McCord, and Kristen Mossbrugger. Our general manager is LaFontaine Oliver. The executive editor of The Daily Dose is Danielle Irby. If you have a scoop or suggestion for this podcast, my social media hangout is Twitter at That's Pam Jones. So remember to be courageous and stay curious. I'm Pam Jones. Thanks for listening.